Good morning, everybody. Jesus is alive. Hey, what happened? Most of you don't believe it or you're asleep or what, huh? Is Jesus alive or not? Yeah. Hey, all right, all right. So you've got to force you to do it, huh? Well, I'm glad to be at this church again. You don't know who I am, but that's fine. I don't know who you are either, you know. I was here like, I don't know, eight years ago, and we had a great missions conference before most of you were born, I guess. And then uh, years ago, when Chuck Swindle, have you ever heard of him? Yeah, I guess he was here last year. He's a good old boy, and uh, he still thinks he's a Marine, but he's not anymore, you know. He used to be a Marine when he was young, and he still acts like it, and he's good. He's humble. Well, I don't know about humble, but he's funny and, uh, and, and a good guy. He knows the Bible well. We've known each other. We met here, and then we both got a doctorate from Talbot Seminary, a, a freebie, but, uh, you know, but it was a good one, and we, we enjoyed each other's friendship for all these years, and now here we are again. It, it shows nobody else wants to preach here, so they invite me from Oregon, you know. I, I really was born in Argentina, and I've lived in the States now for quite a while. I married a gringa, and she's good. She's learned a little Spanish, and we get along pretty well. 53 years is a long time to be married. Yeah. So, so few make it that they always applaud when you say that, you know. But, uh, yeah, we get along. There was a young couple last night, and, and they, they seem to be just married, and they're still smiling. And they said to me, have you been happy 53 years? I say, come on, up and down, up and down. Yeah, most of the time up, but sometimes not so much, you know. I mean, let's be honest. I love my wife. She's here. Probably, she, no, she's in the next service. Yeah, I won't say that. Yeah. Anyway, it's good to be back, not that you care, but uh, I, I got some great friends in this place. For years, they've been praying for us and uh, sponsoring our ministry, so it's kind of nice. Uh, I hugged a bunch of them when we were signing the books back there. Speaking of books, the man said, I'm humble. I paid him to say it because uh, I got this last book that's left. It's called Out of the Desert, and it's really what I went through at about age 25 when I finally, when I came to the States, I understood how to really live the Christian life, not by your own effort or the dedication or legalism and, you know, the whip kind of thing. And it's called Out of the Desert, Into the Life God Fully Intended. And we'll talk about it a little bit this morning's message, but I wanted to mention it to you in case you have somebody who wants to know how to live a resurrected life. How do you live a life that the way you think it was meant to be? And it was. It took me till I was 25 and to, 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 to make the right decision and understand that Jesus Christ actually can give you a glorious life. And so I'm glad this morning to be with you. But they got me under the gun, you know. I mean, they say it's, it's whatever time it is, they got a clock up there and they come yellow, and yellow means get off, you know. And if you don't, there's a guy who comes over with a bodyguard, a big hefty guy, and they get you out of here. So I got to hurry up. And uh, uh, I, at the end of today's message, I want to give an invitation. We did it at the first service. I wish you'd have been here. It was wild. I mean, in a nice way, you know, not UCLA or USC wild, but, uh, you know, Christian wild. And uh, uh, a lot of people said, yeah, I, uh, I gave my life to Christ this morning in the early service. And then there was one at 6.30. I wasn't here. They used a video from last night, which was smart. But anyway, you know, uh, Jesus is alive. And it's a staggering thing when you think about it. 
I was reading a British magazine for young people some time ago, and uh, the guy opened the uh, article with a phrase that only an Englishman would come up with. It said, conversion to Christ is a staggering event. And I thought, that's a Britisher for you. A Californian would say, conversion to Christ is a cool thing, you know. Uh, you know uh, what, I'm, what, can, what Californian ever says, conversion to Christ is staggering. It's cool, you know, like the preachers nowadays with torn jeans and un, uh, un, unkept beard. And, you know, and they look like they haven't taken a shower for three days. You know, that's cool, Christian. But uh, the, 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 the man said, it's a staggering event. And then I got to thinking this week, thinking of the resurrection, when Jesus Christ was born of the Blessed Virgin Mary by the work of the Holy Spirit and no man involved, that was staggering. You know, that God becomes a man through the Blessed Virgin without a human father. No surprise, by the way. God can do whatever He wants. Once I was being interviewed before a New York campaign by a guy from Yale for New York Times. And as soon as we sat down, he says to me, do you think God created the world in six days? Oh, here we go, you know. And I said, look, if God is God, He can do it in one second. He doesn't need six days. He said, okay. And he moved on to the next thing. I thought that was good. And, uh, you know, uh, he left me alone. And, uh, but you know, it, it really is staggering that God became a man. And if God is God, believe me, He did it. But then He went to the cross. I like this that they've got here. It reminds you that that was a staggering thing too. The Son of God who created you, by the way, the Bible says, in your mother's womb. Yeah, biological, boom, boom, whatever, you know. But the real you, God created. Whatever your name is and whatever my name is, God made you in your mother's womb. That God became a man and he died on a cross for the sins of the world. That was staggering. The Bible says that God, you remember God the Father took the sins of us all and laid it on his son? That was something. Because you and I committed our sins in the 20th century, me in the 19th century, I think. You know, I mean, it's a long time ago. And yet God, in his ways, laid on Christ the sins of us all and punished him for us, and he paid what we should have paid for on the cross. That was staggering. And for six hours, he was hanging on the cross, taking away all the garbage of our lives, every dirty thought, every foul word, every deceitful deed, every dirty little sins that we all hide in the skeletons in our closet, you know. I don't want my wife to know that I kissed the secretary or whatever. And we've got all have stuff and it was all laid on him. But three days later, we celebrated that Friday most all over the world, he rose from the dead. He's God. And the resurrection says, he is Lord of lords and King of kings. He's my son, said God the Father. And I raised him from the dead with power to prove that he is the Son of God. And here we are this morning celebrating Jesus is alive He's the Son of God. He's the King of Kings. And He loves you. And, he wa- and then He lived for 40 days after He was resurrected. And He met with His disciples. The first ones was five or seven women. Then one woman alone, Mary Magdalene. Then Peter went to the tomb and he didn't see him. And then he saw him when he came out. 
uh, walking around. Then he met with 11 of them at a high room that night, the day he rose from the dead, and they were all astonished. You saw what the preacher just read, that some of them couldn't believe it. It just didn't seem real. Then the next, and one of them was missing, Thomas. And Thomas said, unless I see the hole in his hands and the feet and where the Roman soldier put a spear in his side, I will not believe because he wasn't there that night. Next Sunday night, they all got together again, hiding from the enemies who were trying to kill him. Thomas is there that night. And Jesus says to him, Thomas, hey, look at my hands, the nail prints. Look at my feet, Thomas. I'm me. Hey, put your hand on my side where the Roman soldier got. And Thomas didn't even try. He fell on his knees and he said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed and happy are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's you and me. We haven't seen him with our eyes, but we believe because he's done something in our lives. He's done a staggering thing. And then 40 days he was all over the place meeting all his people. And then he takes them outside, a little hill that's outside Jerusalem, Bethany. Have you been there? It's a little mound. They call it a hill, but it's just a bunch of... And uh, he gets up there. He raises his hands. He blesses them. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He said, hey, hang in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. My Father will send what I told you about. And so he rose from the mountain of Bethany. He went up to heaven. Two angels come down and say, hey, Galileans, what are you doing looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who went up to heaven will come back the same way as he left. And a cloud hid him from their eyes. They went back into town. They waited for 10 days. And when Jesus was crowned king in heaven, the Lord of lords and king of kings, the Holy Spirit came down. And the Bible says that it was like a mighty rushing wind, noisy, filled the house where they were, the, the room. Jerusalem heard it, and it says that a crowd came, and they were all baptized with the Holy Spirit, and tongues of fire on their heads. It looked like tongues to them. And they all began to speak in various languages. And the people were in Jerusalem for the celebration of the Passover. So they said, what's going on? All these people are just Galileans, and they're speaking in all these languages from Africa and the Roman Empire and all sorts of places. Some of them made fun and said, oh, they're drunk. Peter gets up and he said, we're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. He said, these have now received the Holy Spirit. And you know, that was a staggering event. And that event can happen to you this morning right here in this church. If in a few minutes, I want to give you an invitation that you would experience this staggering thing that is called to become a new person. You know, I got to quote one Bible verse besides what the preacher just read. When I was a boy in Argentina, I was, we speak Spanish over there. We think we do anyway. And uh, the, the, uh, the preachers used to preach when I was a boy a verse that goes like this. If anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And uh, in Spanish, the preachers in those days were really dramatic, you know. Now we're all sort of boring, you know. But uh, in those days, they were really dramatic. And they used to quiver when they used to preach. My sister Martha is here, and my brother-in-law also. They remember. And they used to go like this in Spanish, but I'll do it in English. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Yeah, I, I laugh too, but you know you never forget it. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they were smart guys. Yeah. And uh, the old is passed away, and all things become new. And I would sit in the front row like that little girl, and I was mesmerized, you know? Someday I'm going to get up and go the <laughs> thing. But I don't do it. I, I'm, I'm too cultured for that. But uh, I never forgot it. And I used to think, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away and everything becomes new. Because Jesus is alive, something happens, man, that is staggering when you meet Jesus Christ. It isn't like beating Obama, or oh, that's impressive, or Bush or whoever you like. Uh, you know, it's impressive. You get a picture, donate 10,000 bucks, and they'll send you a signed copy. You know, and uh, so that's fine. But when you meet Jesus Christ, you met God the Son, who's alive, who created in your mother's womb, who died for you on a cross, who rose to certify that he really was who he said he was, and he's alive today, and he's right here this morning, right here. And he's knocking at the door of your heart and saying to you, I've been waiting for you. I want you. You know, what does it mean if anyone is in Christ? You're a new creation. When I used to hear the preachers in Spanish, I used to think, man, this is impressive. But what does it really mean? If anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. And I thought about it for years. And then recently, and I love to talk about it, I thought, I'm going to write down what it really means. If anyone is in... And you know, when you become a believer, if you are a well-known sort of wild person, and you suddenly surrender to Christ, your life changes and everybody notices. Have you ever heard of Stephen Baldwin? an actor, third rate. His brother is, uh, don't tell him, don't tell him. Uh, his brother Alec is better known for promoting what's in your wallet or something. And, uh, but anyway, they're both, they were high, four brothers, two sisters, I know them. And uh, Stephen was wild. So wild that his brother Alec thought he was wild. That's wild, you know, when Alec thinks you're wild. And uh, he was a drug addict in New York, just pooling around, married to a beautiful Brazilian woman, but he would go to a thing in Atlanta called the Gold Club. I have no idea what it is, but it doesn't sound good. And uh, one day when the Twin Towers came down, they had a, 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 what you call it, a Brazilian maid who took care of the babies, you know, a nanny, cleaned the house. And she was loud like all Brazilians, tall, and she sing all day long. And one day he got sick and tired. He said, what's she singing about in Portuguese? He goes, she's singing about Jesus. Well, tell her to shut up. So she, they go to her and say, the boss says, you've got to stop singing. She said, ha, ha, ha. The Brazilians are loud. And uh, he said, ah, I, you think I came over here just to take care of your children and clean the house? Yes, I did. He said, that's what we pay you for. She said, true. But when I left Brazil, the church prayed for me and laid hands on me and said, you're going to the USA. You're going to lead a famous person to Christ, and he's going to become a great servant of God. And Steve said, oh, no, that's me. You know, the, uh, and, uh, uh, and, yeah. and his wife had become a believer before he did. And she prayed a lot on her knees, you know. And she's Brazilian too. And uh, at first Steve said, oh, good, I got a Christian wife. But then he got tired of it. And he became a bit angry. And then the Twin Towers thing happened. And he thought, oh, no, the second coming of Christ and I'm left behind, you know. And so he repented, he received Christ. His life has been changed. I saw them the other day in New York. That was about 15 years ago. Now, when a guy like that gets converted, everybody notices, gee, no more womanizing, no more drugs, no more looking stupid, not drunk. Uh, he's a nice husband, even takes care of his girls, kisses his wife, at least in public. And, you know, and you say, what a change, you know. 
But some of us came to Christ when we were boys and girls. And although we, you don't notice a change in a child, but you know the things I'm about to tell you are as real to a child who comes to Christ. I was 12 when I gave my life to Christ. My dad had died two years before. And so the other day, I wrote down on this sheet of paper another one, but I cleaned it out. Uh, what does it mean? If anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And I didn't remember the preachers ever explaining what is it that's new and what is it that's old that passes when you receive Jesus Christ. Let me read it to you and see if you don't think this is staggering. And I think it says it all. I wrote it down myself. Here we go. This is in the Bible. Once I was lost, now I am found. Once I was blind, now I can see. Once I was dead, now I'm alive. Once I was a slave, now I am free. Is that staggering or what? You guys never say anything? Uh-huh, yeah. You're really dead over here. Come on. Huh? It's staggering. But there's more. Listen to this. Once I was empty, now I'm a temple of God. Once I was in darkness, now I'm in the light. Once I lived in two dimensions, body and soul. Now I live in three dimensions, body, soul, and spirit. Once I was in the kingdom of Satan, now I'm in the kingdom of God. Once I was guilty, now I'm forgiven. Once I was in a slimy pit, now my feet are on the rock. Is that staggering or what, ladies and gentlemen? It's staggering. And you know, this isn't BSing you, pardoning the biblical reference. Uh, this isn't hot air. This is reality. And those of us who know Christ, we've been through it. And it could be your experience this morning if in 15 minutes when I give you the invitation, you say, yes, Jesus Christ, I want to experience this. Here we go, some more. Once I was condemned, now I'm exonerated. Once I was a loser, now I'm a winner at the game of life. Once I was hopeless, now I'm filled with expectation. Once I was on my way to hell, now I'm on my way to heaven. Once I was under the curse of God's righteous law, now I've been re rescued from the curse. That is staggering, my dear friends. And that is absolutely true. And it happens to a boy or a girl, though they may not get it all when they give their life to Christ. And it happens to grandpas and grandmas and everybody in between. But there's more. Let me finish. Once I was rebellious, now I've submitted to Christ. Once I was on my own, I love this one. Now God answers my prayers. Once I was dirty, now I love to be spiritually clean. Once I was a beggar, now I'm a child of the King. Once I was an enemy of God, now I'm a friend of Jesus Christ. Now I was a, once I was a selfish wretch, now I live for other people. Is that staggering, my dear friends? And you know what? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Give him a hand. And you know what? It's absolutely true for everyone who opens their heart to Christ. Now, we don't get it at first. I was 12 years old when I gave my life to Christ. And all I wanted was to go to heaven when I died. Because my dad had died two years before. And he died in an unusual way. I'll tell you about it at the end of my message. And I thought, my dad's with the Lord. 
My mom used to read to us, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And, and I could see my dad reading the book of Revelation, how he's in the multitude of people bowing before the throne of God because he died as a young fellow. He was only 34 years old. And when I gave my life to Christ that night at a camp, a summer camp for boys, we, my dad sent me to a British boarding school, all boys, not a girl anywhere. And uh, it helped you to study. But... Uh, Anyway, yeah. I, at this camp, a counselor sat me down and led me to Christ. I was only 12. I understood exactly what was going on. I received Jesus Christ. I confessed Him with my lips. I believed that He was raised from the dead. And, the, and my counselor read me the passage, If you confess with your lips, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. And he used a technique that I love to use. And you can use it with your friends. He put my name in the Bible verse. If you, Luis, confess with your lips, Luis, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, Luis, that God raised him from the dead, you, Luis, shall be saved. And I got it. And that, yeah, amen. And that was 70 years ago. 70, not 17, 70 years ago. I'm an old guy. But you know, the last 70 years, it gets better every year when you know Jesus Christ. It really does. And you walk with God and you know. Uh, did I tell you that ABC called me up? I forget with so many services what I told everybody. You know, ABC called me up from New York some years ago. And they said, hey, Pala, we're doing a series on Is God Alive? And we'd like to use you as the Christian guy. We've got a Jewish gal who's a lawyer from Yale. We've got a Buddhist, a Hindu, I can't remember what else. You'd be the Christian. Would you be willing? I said, sure, I love it. She said, well, is God alive or not? I said, absolutely. She said, how do you know? I said, I talked to him this morning, and he was doing great, you know. And she said, oh, I like that. So I was on, you know. You probably nobody saw it, but I had fun. And, uh, but you know, he is alive. And we who met him one day, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he met with a lot of people and shook them up. Those who thought he was dead were in surprise. The Roman soldiers died. The day the angel came down, he said they felt like they were dead. But you know, since then, millions and millions of us, some as little boys, some as older people, we've opened our heart and we've had this staggering experience. And you can have it today if you by faith say, Lord Jesus, I would love to know you. I didn't realize that all this was possible. I, don't, I didn't get it either, but I get it now. And every year I learn something new, even as the years go by and you get old, you're still learning. And when we get to heaven, the Bible says, we shall know as we are known. We shall be like him because we'll see him as he is. Now you say, Palau, how can I have that experience? What do I have to do? When the life changes, it's a real change. We have four sons, my wife and I, and three of them, you know, since they were kids, they pretty much received Christ. They got baptized. They went to regular school. Then they went to a Christian college. Not Biola, but a good one. And uh, they were good. The third one, he, uh, he, uh, Andrew, he gave us H-E-L-L till age 27, man. And uh, he was a nice kid. Loves his mother. Handsome like his father. You know, I mean, just a regular guy. But... He, uh, he loved to party. He went to the University of Oregon, which is definitely not a church uh, school. And uh, he just lived it out. He wanted to party. That's all he cared about. We used to pray, Lord, don't let him marry some whatever. And uh, he didn't, thank the Lord. But he messed around a lot. 
And uh, at age 27, finally in Jamaica, we were having a festival. He came to the stadium, and he was convicted by God of sin, and he repented, and he cried. And you should see him now. He's 50, not a kid. But he's a man of God, I'll tell you. And he wins people to Christ because he will experience the power of God that night at the stadium. It doesn't matter where you are. You know, when Jesus Christ meets you, you're going to have to do something about it. And, and it shakes you up, and it changes you, but it's for the good. Now, you might say to me, well, Luis, how can I open my heart? What happens? How does it all start? It all starts when you open your heart to Christ. He said these words, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. That's why it's a staggering event. God comes into your life literally. And three big things happen on the spot. First, all your past is forgiven once and for all and forever. The Bible says, God says it, and it's repeated many times. Your sins and evil behavior, I will remember no more. I love those two words, no more. Underline it and read in your Bible, Hebrews 10, 17. No more, no more, no more. God will never. That's why the cross, on that cross, Jesus took care of the problem of guilt and sin and dirt and sadness all the evil stuff in us. He took care of it. And when you receive Him by faith, the Holy Spirit comes in, and God forgives it all in one shot forever and ever. Your sins are forgiven. No wonder you get pretty excited and you start singing and clapping, because it's real. But the, 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 the fact is, it's visible to some, but not to everybody. But the fact is this. When my father gave his life to Christ, I met a friend of his when he was a, a young guy of 23. And the preacher was speaking about Jesus Christ. And my dad stood up and interrupted the preacher. And it was a cool church like this one where people don't say anything, you know. And so when my dad gets up and interrupts him, everybody was in shock, you know. It was a tiny church. But he got up. I wasn't even born yet. He stood up and he said, right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my only and sufficient Savior. And he sat down, and my mom was so excited. You know, she wanted to say hallelujah, but you didn't do that in that church. And then she was so embarrassed that he interrupted the preacher. She wanted to dive under the chair, but she didn't do that, you know. And they tell me those who knew him, my dad changed. He was a good businessman. He was successful, and he became a new man. And for the next nine years, he and the missionary who helped him went around towns all over us, East and North Buenos Aires, and planted congregations. And then when he was 34, he got sick, and he died, and he died fast. In nine days, he was gone. But you know, he had eternal life because that night, at that moment of invitation, like, I'm going to give you one in a few seconds, he received Christ. And when he knew he was dying, he knew where he was going. He had eternal life, and he knew it. Because when you meet the risen Christ, baby, you're not going to forget it. You know, nowadays they say that a lot of kids from Christian churches are giving the faith up when they go to UCLA, USC, University of California, Davis, that they give up their faith. They don't give up their faith. They never had it. If you know Jesus Christ, you're not going to give up on Him. Are you crazy? You met Jesus Christ. He is everything. He changes you. He lives within you. And you're going to go and say, I don't believe in Jesus. 
because the professor of science said there's no God. Yeah, great. You may not know God, baby, but I know him, and I'm not going to throw up my faith just because you are so intelligent and you got a doctorate from Oxford. No, I know Christ because I met him. You don't give up the faith when somebody just attacks, you know. But the first thing is, the second thing that happens is that you receive the Holy Spirit. And some of you say, ooh, what's this, you know? They're gonna, the lights are going to go down and the Holy Spirit is going to come down. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And He comes into your life. And He takes over. It says many times in the Bible, but let me quote you two or three. Don't you know, listen to this, don't you know, this is in Second Corinthians I'm quoting, don't you know that your body, listen to this, is the temple of God and that the Spirit of God now lives in you? If anybody destroys God's temple, God will destroy him because God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Man, when you receive Christ, a lot happens. Your sins are all forgiven because your sins and evil deeds are remember no more. You become the temple of the living God. Christ comes to live within you. St. Paul says in another place, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm alive. But it's not I. It's Christ living in me. That hit me at age 25. That's why I really put it down in that book because it took me a while to get it. Luis, it's not you. It's Christ living in you. And when I got it, it really revolutionized my life. I love Jesus Christ. And I knew I had eternal life, but I didn't know how to really live the life till I got it. It's not you, but Christ living in you. And my dear friends, when I give you the invitation in a few minutes, you will have that experience. And it'll be new, but it's exciting. You don't have to be afraid. God is God. Don't be afraid of God. Be afraid of the demons and all that, but not Jesus. And so that's the second thing. You become the temple. Of, and then the third thing that happens when you open your heart to Christ, you have assurance for the future that heaven is your home. And when you die, you go straight to heaven to be with the Lord forever. That's amazing. And that's so staggering. That's why if anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You're a new woman. You're a new man. God comes into the picture, but more into the picture, into your life. And you become a temple of God. That's amazing. That's why people who know Jesus can't figure out how to explain it to others because sometimes it's so amazing. But if you today say to me, Luis, I want to experience that. You say, I, I didn't realize this is what it's all about. Well then, today you can give your life to Jesus Christ. Throughout history for 2,000 years, thousands upon thousands all over the world. Do you know that in China alone, there's about 120 million Chinese who've had this experience. The government is atheist. The government is Marxist-Leninist. But millions of Chinese are alive to God. I've been there many times. And it's just exciting to me. And you can go anywhere in the world almost. And there are people there who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Even in the Middle East. You know that in Iran, in the last five years, there's about a million Iranians who've come to be alive to God through Jesus Christ? Because he appeals to everybody in every culture. But this morning he says to you, hey, I brought you here for a purpose. I want to come into your life. I want you to forgive you all your sins once and for all and forever. Let me come into your heart. I did it when I was 12 and I'm so grateful. 
Stephen Baldwin was about 28 when he made his commitment. Our son Andrew was 27 when he surrendered to Christ in Jamaica at that stadium. And what a change! Some of it is visible, like I said at the beginning. Some of it is not so visible because we came to Christ as boys or girls. But it's the same experience and the same results. But you have to make your own decision. You have to be honest before God and say, Lord, I want to know you. I need to know you. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. And you have to surrender to him. When Jesus went up to heaven, he said to the disciples, Repentance and forgiveness must be proclaimed in all nations. And here we are in the United States of America. And on this Resurrection Sunday, the Lord brought you here and He says to you, Woman, I love you. Woman, let me come into your life. And you have a staggering experience that you'll never forget. And the Lord says to you men and young fellows, even boys and girls who may be here, let me come into your life. I will forgive all your sins. I will give you my Holy Spirit. And you can have the assurance that the moment you die, you go straight to heaven. Because the Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. When my dad died, I told you at the beginning, he pointed up to heaven, he sat up in bed, began to sing a song, clapped his hands, there's crowns up there, bright crowns for you and me, the palm of victory, the palm. And he sang it three times, and then tired from the galloping fever, his head fell on the pillow, and he quoted St. Paul, I'm going to be with Jesus, which is better by far. And a few moments later, he'd gone to be with the Lord. And as a 10-year-old boy, I thought, man, that's the way to die. I mean, singing and clapping your hands and quoting the promises of the Bible, that's the way I want to go. I think I'm going to live till I'm 92. I've been saying that all my life, and my friends believe me. And uh, I, I want to go that way. Singing and clapping and quoting, the Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. When your body, your heart starts beating, and the doctor says, he's gone, you're in the presence of Jesus Christ. Your, your body stays for the day of resurrection. Yes, because our bodies will rise again, and they'll be different, but new. But you yourself will be in the presence of the Lord. And when he comes back in the clouds, you'll come with him. And all the dead in Christ will rise from the graves. And those who are alive will be transformed and will meet the Lord in the air. And the Bible says, so we shall always be with the Lord. Man, how can you turn down an offer like that? It's a staggering thing and it's a real thing. But you have to make your own decision. And so I'd like to lead you in a prayer of commitment. Jesus said, I told you, I think at the beginning, I stand at your door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you. And then he says, I'll be with you always, even till the end of the age. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's really saying, I'll come into your life and we'll have a party that will never end. I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. You're mine forever. You're my child. And so all is forgiven. You become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you're ready the day you die to go straight to heaven. But you have to make a decision. And I'd like to lead you in a prayer of decision. Let's all stand for prayer. Unless in the presence of God, I will lead you in a special prayer. 
And all of you, dear friends, who this morning say, I want to surrender to Christ. I want to give Him my heart. I want Him to come into my life. I want to experience this staggering thing of being reborn, of becoming a child of God. All my sins once for all, forever forgiven. A temple of God's Spirit and the assurance of eternal life in heaven forever and ever and ever. It is the gift of God to all those who surrender to Him. So let me lead you in a prayer. And if you've never invited Christ into your life, this is a great moment to do it. You pray to Him as I lead you phrase by phrase. And if you drifted away from God for whatever reason, and you say to yourself, I want to come back, will the Lord take me back? The answer is absolutely yes. So if you want to surrender to Him, join me in this prayer and remember what He said. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. So I'll lead you phrase by phrase and you join me. If you're a believer, join us just in saying thank you in your prayer for what happened many years ago when you opened your heart to Christ. Let's all pray. Let me hear you to Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for coming to this world. Born of the Virgin Mary, thank you for going to the cross, taking away all my guilt, getting rid of it all, giving your blood for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for speaking to my soul this morning. Right now, Lord Jesus, I confess with my lips, Jesus is my Lord. I believe in my heart. God raised you from the dead. And therefore, I have eternal life. Thank you, Father. I'm yours forever. One day in heaven, I'll see you face to face. I will fall at your feet and worship you. I will serve you, Lord Jesus, till the day I see you again. And I thank you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah. Well, it was great to hear so many of you praying. I wonder how many of you pray that prayer for the first time in your life. Wait a second. Or how many of you had drifted away from God and this morning you said, man, I'm coming home. If the Lord takes me back, I want to be there. One day I was in Newport Beach at a church called Mariner's Church, and the minister said to me, I want you to do something special this morning, he said to me. When you finish your message and you give the invitation, when it's over, I want you to say to those who open their heart to Christ or returning to God, to punch the air and shout, I believe. And I thought, oh boy. Uh, and I thought that this morning too. But you know, it's a good idea. 
Because it says, if you confess with your lips, Jesus is Lord. And when you punch the air, that is not in the Bible, but it's a good idea. Uh, uh, punch the air and say, I believe you're confessing with your lips that Jesus is now your Lord. Yes? So when I say three, those who today open your heart to Christ for the first time, and those of you who wandered away and are coming home, when I say three, do it really loud, okay? Like uh, USC just scored or something, you know? I mean, real loud, okay? One, two, three. Back there, nobody? Uh-huh. Good. Good. Amen.